There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, guys. This episode was brought to you by audible.com. If you'd like to download a free audiobook, go to audibletrial.com forward slash teacher Luke or click one of the pictures on my website that says Audible. Okay, now let's get started with this new episode of the podcast, and here it is. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome back to another episode of Luke's English Podcast. Uh, in this one, we're still talking about the Collins Dictionary Words of the Year. This is the third episode in the series, and we still have about seven words to deal with. Um, so I think I can wrap this up in inside one episode. Um, so I think this is going to be the last episode in the series, but we will see. So um, I'm going to try and keep this introduction as short as possible, because recently my introductions have got a bit out of control. So let me keep it short and simple, all right? So this is the third part in a mini-series about the Collins Dictionary Words of the Year. I'm joined by Amber and Paul, and we're going to uh, talk about this list of new words that Collins, the maker of dictionaries, um, are putting into their dictionary this year. So these are new words, and their use in both spoken and written form has increased significantly over the last 12 months. Collins consider them worthy of addition into the dictionary. Uh, but what are these words? What do they mean? And why have we been using them a lot lately? Um, Amber, Paul and I are going to explain all of these words for you and also just ramble on uh, a little bit as well. So I will play you uh, all of our conversation We've already heard some of it in previous episodes, but I'm going to play you all of it. Uh, but every now and then, I will pause the conversation in order to explain things that you've heard, uh, clarify, and also give you a chance to like practice some bits of pronunciation and stuff like that, okay? Um, that way... Um, you get the best of both worlds. You can listen to us talking to each other naturally, but also you can pick up a lot of new language when I break it down and explain it to you bit by bit. All right. So without any further ado, let's get started. And here is um, here's the next part of our conversation in which we deal with word seven in this list of 10 new words. Here we go. What's next? It's my turn Your now. Turn. Um, so this one is called manspreading. It's, I like this word. <laughs> manspreading. It's a noun. Spreading, you know, like the way you spread something, like you might spread butter on your toast in the morning, or you might spread your legs. You know, if you're, especially if you're a man, 
if you sit down on a if you sit down on a chair and you, you relax, you spread your legs out, don't you? That's the way men sit. Well, that's called man spreading now. That's man spreading. It's sitting down with your legs, your knees spread no. kind of wide. It's, no, it, it, it's, it's sitting down with your knees spread kind of wide. Yeah, taking up the space of someone else. If you've got all the space, you're just spreading. You know, you're man spreading. Fair enough. But it's when you sort of like impinge, usually on a lady who's sitting next to you, like on the metro or on the bus. Mm-hmm. That's when it's man spreading. So let's 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 talk about man spreading from the point of view of someone who who suffers from man spreading. Let's say Amber, you're a. You're I do a, suffer from man spreading. You do. I do. So just give me an example of how that would happen. You you, you you get on the train. Well, you're on the train. You're often on the metro. There's not a lot of space, and I'd like to say I actually take up quite a lot, not a lot of space. Yeah, you're, you're kind I'm of quite small. Well contained. So I sit on the metro seat and I'm already not spilling over in any way. I'm well contained within my seat allocated space. Right. And then I don't even have enough seat on my allocated space because there's a man next to me spreading out, leaning forward, his legs everywhere. Man spreading. Man spreading. Or he's sitting opposite you and he's spreading and then you're obliged to sort of sit there coyly sort of between his legs. And right. it's just inappropriate. So man spreading... Uh, is defined as the act or an instance of a male passenger in a bus or train splaying his legs. We have the word splaying here. Splaying his legs in a way that denies space to the passenger sitting next to him. So you're sitting there, you know, minding your own business, taking, not taking up very much space. And there's a man next to you, man spreading all over the place. And he's like, leg is pressing up against your leg. And it makes you feel uncomfortable. It's man spreading. So it's, it's, it's a, no one likes it when, mm. when people are man spreading. Do you have a, I have a technique to deal with the, uh, when someone is man spreading, because obviously I'm a man, but sometimes you know other men will. You, yeah. I, sometimes I can we'll be affected. Spread. Yeah, I can be affected by uh, by this problem What's as well. What's your technique? So my technique is to man spread back. Ah, I'm, I just yeah. man spread <laughs> them back. So imagine I'm sitting there and I'm you know my legs are being pressed together and his leg is touching mine. And he's manspreading me, and I kind of think I'm not just going to sit here and let myself get manspread by this <laughs> twat. Yeah, I'm going to manspread. He's because he's thinking, yeah, I'm going to spread. I'm going to spread my leg all over your leg, and if you've got a problem with it, you get out of the way, don't you? I don't know why he speaks like that, yeah. but he does. And so um, I'm. I kind of then go, all right, then I'm going to manspread you back. And mm. so I just, pre- I actually press. Without making a big deal out of it, yeah, yeah. as if there's nothing happening, Pressing. I'll just press my leg against his leg and maybe even move my uh, my leg up and down slightly, so it creates <laughs> an, a very a awkward friction. and uncomfortable level of contact. And it, I swear, it works every time for you, for me as a man. So uh, it works every time. And there's always a moment where this arrogant man spread becomes a more awkward. I think I'm going to close my legs a little bit. <laughs> well, the, the body language changes, and then I go, "Ha ha, I won!" And then I go back to normal again. Well, the problem with man spreading is it's about a bigger issue of like who is allowed to take up space. Like, how much space are you allowed to take up? So men take up more space generally than women, and they feel that they can take up more space than is allocated to them because you can manspread him back. If I pushed my legs up against his, it's not sending the same message. He's going to think, hello. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, Swipe cheeky. to the right. Swipe right. <laughs> and it's, you know, and, and this is everywhere, you know, out on the street. Men can hang out on the street chatting to their friends. They can take up that space. Women don't have that same right to occupy these spaces. So manspreading is a feminist issue. Right. So now mm. if someone manspreads, I tell them. 
Really? Yeah. Just tell, give me an example of how that would work. Let's imagine this is the bus. Paul, you're man-spreading Amber. It's a, quite a visual thing going on here for your podcast. Yeah, but well, if, no, if Paul no, no, was my, my, my podcastees, my lepsters can imagine that Paul is man-spreading Amber. Um, I, and <laughs> yeah, don't get too excited. <laughs> if he was man-spreading me, <laughs> I, think your I might, I, you know, I might, it depends if he looked a bit scary, but I might just sort of say to him like, so that, or like, you know, excuse me. And yeah. I would just go, what? Well, normally, if I say something and you sort of imply or you move, you might make a sort of gesture. They realise they've manspread. Okay. I, fa- ah. I feel people are quite sensitive to manspreading. They kind of do it without realising, just like, right. they need so much space. But then if you bring their attention to it. So one of those ways is you just look at the person like, and? what And hello, what's what's this? And then they're like, oh, sh- oh sorry. And then they realise. Sometimes, but if they seem a bit too scary, I wouldn't say anything. I'd right. probably just cower. So have a little glance first and just have a quick look and think, uh, is this person scary? No? Okay, then. I think there should Excuse be a, a woman spreading one. A, a woman, woman spreading. spreading. And that's when she puts her bag, bag yeah. on the seat next to her or something or a, or a thing and takes up the same amount of space. And you're like, oh. yeah, sorry, that bag, uh, that seat isn't reserved for your bag, love. Yeah, I can't All right? stand that. That's it, true. It, it gets me angry. But I mean, so it's both. So that's maybe women spreading or that bag is spreading. Woman, that is woman spreading. Because she's have like, been my, guilty. my bag cannot touch the floor. No, it has to be not yeah. touch. Like, yeah. like my, basically, it's my bag is more important than you. Then exactly. <laughs> you know, like it's, uh, there's, there's a number of examples of that. One of them is, putting the bag on the seat and mm. then not not acknowledging that they're using up a seat with a bag and just sort of like looking out the window yeah everything's normal even though there are people on the train who probably are quite tired and would like to sit down in the seat no yeah. my bag is more important yeah. it's so selfish and the people would drive me crazy as well as when you get like on a train or a bus and they're on like the outside they're in the corridor so they're in the aisle seat and there's the window seat that's free. Right. And instead of them just moving to the window seat <gasps> and you being able to sit down normally, yeah. Yeah. they go, and they, you have to kind of like squeeze past them yeah. to the window seat. Right. And that's yeah, annoying. they might be getting off at the next stop, but who cares? Yeah, but it they, doesn't matter. What they're probably doing is they're intentionally sort of not moving across so that it's more difficult for, for you, you to, to get in down. that seat because they just don't want you to sit next to them. Yeah. Really, mm. really inconsiderate and rude. Um, the other thing that I, that I get annoyed by, and we're going to move on in a moment, is, <laughs> is, is when um, there are children on the train now, maybe this is because I don't have kids, right? I'm, I'm, I'm interested to hear no, what you're going to yeah, say, yeah, Luke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Round one. I, okay, I'm, Fight. I'm wrong already, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> so I'm on the train and, a, and like a parent or a couple of parents come on and they've got kids and they make the kids sit down on the seats and the kid, mm. they're like, sit down here. Now, I understand why they do it. Yeah. But from the, from the uh, non-parent people... Mm. Um, on the train they're thinking these kids have got so much energy you know I'm tired let me sit down and the kids can just use up their energy mm. with their legs you know but I okay go on what's the I'll reason t- I'll, I'll tell you and I'm not a kid owner either a kid, kid owner, <laughs> a kid, a kid owner? <laughs> I, I, I don't have kids either I'll tell you why I will make my kids do that though is because I have there was this one time where you will make your kids sit down sit down yeah, yeah. Right. I, I was on a bus uh, at school I remember I, it's so vivid I remember I, me and my best friend were on the bus on the way to school and um, at one stage uh, he went out into the into the uh, what do you call it into the corridor while the bus was moving uh-huh. uh, and then suddenly the bus put the brakes on and he went flying like on his face like into the front of the bus basically like on the floor 
just went flying on her Whoa. face and, I, and, and a, like big shout everyone screamed I was like oh what's happening so then the bus driver didn't care because no bus drivers do so then I got went out into the corridor the bus started moving again and then the bus stopped again <laughs> and I ended up going flying <laughs> on top of him oh my and God. we like I don't know we didn't break anything but we were bloody like it was just Aww. it was a, a scene of devastation the scene was <laughs> the scene was one of devastation so um so that's why I'll make my kids sit down but I I, it annoys me when the parents think that you should give up your seat so they can sit next to their kid. Anyway, Amber, right. now you're uh, so, so you're saying it's a safety issue. Like it's yeah. just safer if the kids sit down. It's safe, Amber, well, there's a couple of things. There is a safety issue because small kids. I mean, it depends what age you're talking about. Like teens, obviously no, but small kids. You know, the metro stops suddenly, or people get on, they crush them. They don't even notice them, so they stand on them. Children aren't that strong, holding on. They don't understand, hold on to the bar, so then they fall over. And and they're safety. hyperactive. They want to like run around. Safety, right. safety, safety. Yeah. And also, even though they've got a lot of energy, they also they don't like if you've walked any distance with a right. child like a 10 minute walk for you is literally 45 minutes they use so much energy so right. they mm. they do get very very tired and a grumpy tired child mm. is not good for anyone right so basically it's we've got to let the kids sit down because otherwise the world will be a, a worse a place, worse place. If kids are all tired, if all the kids are tired, <laughs> that's going to make the parents stressed out and unhappy. If the parents are stressed out and unhappy, that probably means your boss will be stressed out and unhappy. Yeah. And then he's not, you know, he's going to not going to give you a pay rise. The economy is going to fail. Mm. And then ultimately, zombies basically <laughs> will, will, will take over. Okay, so I'll, next time um. I'll, I'll remember that. Okay, I'm just going to pause the conversation there in order to explain a little bit of language. So that was word seven, and it was manspreading. Manspreading, which again is a noun, meaning the act or an instance of a male passenger in a bus or train splaying his legs, um, sort of sitting with his legs apart in a way that denies space to the passenger sitting next to him. Does that ever happen to you? Does it happen to you when you're on the bus or the train? It's annoying, isn't it? It's really annoying. Um, so here are some phrases and, and bits of language that you heard in our conversation. And by the way, what I recommend is that after I've explained, what you could do is, I think with this series of episodes, I think you could listen to them again and again. Uh, for example, if you listen to me explaining the language, I recommend that you go back and listen to that part of the conversation again, because it should allow you to understand it in a lot more depth and you might not only, it, it will not only reinforce the language that you've picked up, but also it might allow you just to, to just enjoy the conversation a bit more because you understand it in, in a bit more depth. Okay, so the f um, first phrase is just to, to take up space, to take up space. So there's a, a phrasal verb. Um, and if you take up space, it just means you occupy space. So, for example, you know, men seem to take up more space than women because they're bigger. Um, and, you know, it, you could say, for example, it's annoying when you're on the train and lots of tourists get on the train and they have big suitcases and lots of big bags because they, they take up so much space. And, it, you know, it, it starts to get very cramped inside the train car, the train carriage, because the, the tourists with their big bags, they take up so much space, don't they? Um, or, you know, similarly, when, when someone is manspreading next to you, they just take up too much space. Um Amber was saying that she, when she sits in the bus, you know, she sits, um, she, she's well contained within her seat allocated space. Okay, right. Now, where am I going to start with that? Well contained. Well, um, 
you know the word contained, don't you? I expect so. So, you know, uh, it's like the word container. A container would be like a box. Could be a small box, like a lunch box. It's like a plastic container where you keep your lunch. But also you get these big shipping containers, uh, those huge metal boxes that are used to transport goods from one country to the to another one across the the ocean, uh, on the backs of big um, uh, freight uh, ships. So shipping containers. So obviously containers keep everything in one space. Well, Amber said that she was well contained within her space, meaning that she wasn't, like, uh, taking up uh, more space than was given to her. And her seat-allocated space, well, if, if space is allocated to you. Now, if something is allocated to you, it means it's basically given to you, like, this is your this is your share, that's it. So you, you can allocate space to someone, you know, for example, um, uh, let's say if you go camping, uh, you pay a little amount of money and they will allocate a certain amount of space to you. So they give you like a little bit of land where you can build, you can uh, set up your tent. Okay. Similarly, on the train or bus, you are allocated a certain amount of space. And it's the space basically that your seat given gives to you, your seat allocated space. All right. You can also allocate other stuff. You can allocate tasks to people, meaning just give give tasks to them and stuff like that. So Amber says when she sits on the bus, she is well contained within her seat allocated space. Okay, and she said she's not spilling over uh, into other people's space. Spilling over. There's a nice expression as well. Now I I'm I wonder if you know the word to to spill. You probably do to spill a drink. For example, if you knock the table by mistake with your arm or with your leg when you stand up, then you might cause people to spill their drinks. The the the, the drink comes out of the glass and it goes on the table, and everyone thinks you're an idiot. Oh, I'm sorry, and then you have to clean it up. So, oh, I spilt I spilt your drink. Sorry about that. Now, if something spills over, it means that it's it, it's not contained within the the thing like uh if if for example you're pouring a cup of tea and you're talking to someone and you're not looking at the cup if you're not careful you'll put too much tea into the cup and it will spill over just means that it, it'll it'll go over the edges of the cup now amber says that she she you know she's not spilling over into other people's space meaning that she's not letting her bag or her extremities like her arms and legs uh, start to occupy other people's space so she's not spilling over into other people's space all right now there you go three expressions already are you going to keep these in your mind uh, what was the first one to occupy space it's to it's a phrasal verb is to take up space all right um then we had things like allocate, you know, to allocate space, my seat allocated space, and to be well contained. And then the other one is you're not spilling over into other people's space, all right? So try try and keep these in mind, all right? Because this is good language. This is like natural, authentic language that you should try and sort of hold on to in some ways. By the way, if you want some clues on how to remember a lot of words, then you can go back to one of my previous episodes, and it was called memory mnemonics and learning english um let me just tell you which episode that was that is episode 167 memory mnemonics and learning english and that's just full of sort of comments and advice on how you can use sort of memory techniques to try and remember new words all right so let's move on to the next phrase um so amber said you're obliged to sit there coyly between his legs. So you're obliged to sit there. Obviously, it just means you have to sit there. You don't have any choice. You're, you're given the obligation to sit there. You have to sit there 
coyly between his legs. Now, the word here is coy. Coy, C-O-Y. Now, what does coy mean? Well, it, it basically means sort of pretending to be shy or being modest, uh, being sort of reluctant or shy or modest. And um, there's perhaps a slightly flirtatious... Um, there's a flirtatious element to that as well. So if you can imagine if a girl is acting all shy and modest and, you know, batting her eyelids as if she's flirting, but she's being shy and modest, you know? Uh, so Amber is saying that when a man sits in front of you and he's manspreading like that and being all confident and taking up too much space, then it sort of obliges the the woman sitting in front of him to, um, to, uh, to kind of sit there all, all shy and she she only sits there all shy because she's got no choice, you know, because if she was more confident, then it would be really awkward because she'd start, you know, touching his leg or something. So what she's saying is that uh, when men manspread, it's kind of, um, it's just very uncomfortable for women because they feel like they've been put into a um, uh, sort of sensitive situation. Um, so there you go, to be coy. You have to sit there coyly between his legs. Uh, all right. Um, he's splaying his legs. So I've I've dealt with the word splaying. S p l a y i n g just means sitting with your legs apart or putting your legs apart. Splaying your legs. Okay. Um, then we've got uh, this phrase. You're sitting there minding your own business, not taking up much space. Well, we know taking up space. We've had that to mind your own business. Well, I expect you you know that one too. Okay, you're sitting there minding your own business, not taking up taking up much space, and his leg is pressing up against your leg. Can you say that? His leg is pressing up against your leg. Now, there's a bit of um, sentence stress in there. We emphasise which which words am I emphasising in that sentence? Let me let me say it again. His leg is pressing up against your leg. Uh, well, it's his and your, isn't it? Okay. And there's a f- sort of a, 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 an interesting phrase, press up against. So if someone is, if something is pressing up against, it means that the leg is touching your leg and it's, there's pressure and it's pressing into your leg. So it's pressing up against your leg. Okay. Um, that's, that's an awkward situation, isn't it? Um, and, uh, Amber said, if they were a bit too scary, I probably wouldn't say anything. I'd probably just cower. So she's saying that sometimes when when men manspread, she actually said something like, excuse me, um, like that. She she says something. But if the person is too scary, then she probably wouldn't say anything. And she would just cower. Now, the the verb here is to cower. Uh, now, imagine if you're like really frightened and there's like a big monster uh, just standing over you, and what would you do? You, you might cower. That's like make yourself all small and look. Make make yourself all small, and you'd be shaking because you're so scared. Oh no! Don't hurt me, please. Cower like that. To cower down in the corner. Uh, to cower like a little frightened rabbit. So that's the the verb to cower. C o w e r is to kind of uh, put put yourself into a, a very small position because you're really scared and you don't you don't want to be attacked okay all right um paul was talking about a story about um his friend on the bus how his friend fell over on the bus when they were kids and he said um he went out into the whatchamacallit into the corridor so the word there that i want to focus on is whatchamacallit whatchamacallit uh 
Now, uh, when in, in English, when you don't know what the word is, when you can't think of the word, um, we have other words that we would use instead. Okay, and there are a few words like this. One of them is whatchamacallit. Uh, or, no, he, actually, he said whatchacallit, whatchacallit. Okay. All right, so he said whatchacallit, meaning he, he couldn't think of the word, he couldn't remember what to call the thing. So he, could, he said whatchacallit. Um, now, there are, there are other uh, words like that. For example, you can say the, the, the whatchamacallit, which is the same thing. Can you pass me that? Can you pass me the, the whatchamacallit? Um, yeah, the, the controller, that's it. Okay, so uh, it or whatchamacallit. Um, if, if you don't remember a person's name, you're talking about someone and you don't remember his name, then you can call him, what's his name? What's his name? Um, hey, you know, I saw, I saw what's his name the other day. Yeah, from the, from the, from the, um, from the cycling club. Yeah, I saw him yesterday. What's his, you know, what's his name? The guy with the, uh, the guy with the big legs. Um, you know, for example, I don't know who that is, by the way. Uh, could that be Ben Fisher? I don't, he doesn't have particularly big legs, but he does, he does do a lot of cycling. Anyway, what's his name? Like, oh yeah, I was, I was down, I was walking down the street the other day and I saw, what's his name? You know, the, the, the guy with the, you know, he wears a lot of black. He's got like a helmet and he can't breathe properly. You know, what's his name? He's, he's a bit evil. Yeah. Uh, what, Darth Vader? Yeah, that's it. Okay. Uh, what you, what you call it? What you call it? What's his name? Also, another th- word for for when you can't remember a, 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 the name of an object, you can call it a thingamajig. A thingamajig. Now, sometimes we we say thingamajig or thingamabob, and that's when we don't even know the word for for that object. For example, if you need to go to a hardware, if you let's say you're doing some DIY at home. Uh, you're doing some sort of home repairs and you need to buy some of those plastic things that go into the wall. You know, when you're putting up uh, shelves, for example, you've drilled a hole in the wall and you need to put a plastic thing into the wall and then you put a screw into that plastic thing. Now, we d- you might not know what the word for that plastic thing is, so you could call it a thingamajig or you could call it a thingamabob or you could call it a watcher call it or you could call it a whatchamacallit, or you could also call it a widget. Okay? So all these words for objects when you don't know their name, and a person when you don't know his name, what's his name, or what's her name. Yeah, okay, all right, there you go. Um, <clears throat> now, um, Paul said the corridor of the bus. You could we, we can also call it the aisle, the aisle, uh, and it's on a bus or a, or a plane as well, the aisle, A-I-S-L-E. So um, w- when you're on a plane, you know, you can have a, a window seat or an aisle seat. There you go. So down the aisle. Um, and Paul said in his story, suddenly the bus put the brakes on and he went flying. So to put the brakes on, that's just when the bus driver, you know, presses down on one of the, one of the um, uh, pedals and to stop the 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 bus so he put the brakes on you know and uh, his friend went flying now if someone goes flying it just it's just a, a common expression to mean that he kind of uh, he fell down or he he um he lost his balance and uh, you know well i think it's clear right he went flying i think that's probably clear all the way down the end of the bus and he fell over um amber was talking about uh, the the difficulty of um taking kids on the metro and she said, you know, small kids, the metro stops suddenly or people get on and they crush them. 
They don't even notice them, so they stand on them. So just a couple of phrases there about um, sort of um, uh, the danger of kids on the on the metro. And one one word is to be crushed. So people crush them. You know the word crush, right? I think you know the word crush. Uh, and they stand on them. There you go. I think that was that was clear, wasn't it? All right. No need to go into that in more detail. Um, children aren't that strong holding on. I, I think you get that as well. All right. Next one. They're hyperactive. They're hyperactive. Okay, there's a good expression. You know, kids have got too much energy and they run around and they run around and they never, ever stop. Well, you could say that the kids are hyperactive. Yeah, I was quite hyperactive when I was a kid. And I think it's because of some of the chemicals that were in the orange juice that I used to drink when I was a kid. So my mum used to buy this orange juice from Sainsbury's. It was like orange cordial. And um, you would just pour a little bit of the orange cordial into a glass and then fill the rest with water. And it, was, it wasn't very natural. I mean, this is back in the 80s before, you know, uh, it was very sort of normal to have very natural uh, fruit-based drinks. And so this stuff had a lot of chemicals in it, particularly E-numbers, had loads of E-numbers. Like, I think particularly the the, tr- the difficult, the, the, the problematic E-number was E-102. And um, that was apparently well known for causing hyperactivity in children. And so I used to drink this stuff and then I would just be like, you know, fueled up, just sort of rushing around like some kind of drug-addled maniac. Um, And uh, just because I'd been drinking too much E-102 in my orange juice. Um, So I was kind of a hyperactive kid when I drank that stuff. Um, So kids are hyperactive. They want to like run around to run around. Now, not just run, but run around. That means like, you know, sort of in the area that you're occupying. Let's say if, you, if you're if you eating dinner in a restaurant outside and the kids are running around, it means that they are, yeah, sort of running, but in that area. They're not just running in one direction, but they're running sort of back and forth and running in circles around the restaurant. Running around, okay. Uh, We also have things like walking around, driving around. You know, what have you been doing today? Oh, nothing, just walking around, just walking around town. You know, that just, normally if you walk, you imagine you're walking in one direction. But if you walk around, it's like sort of wandering from here to there and back again within a certain radius. Okay. Um, And then um, Amber was saying how a grumpy, tired child is not good for anyone. So grumpy, you know the word grumpy, don't you? So if if a child is in a bad mood, if, if when a child gets tired, they can get grumpy. So it's like, you know, do you want to, um, shall I read you a story? No, don't want one. It's like, oh God, don't be grumpy. Yeah. And obviously people get grumpy as well, particularly in, on a Monday morning when you haven't had any coffee. It's like, oh God, I've got to go to work, you know? And it's like, hello, darling. How are you? Oh, don't talk to me. I just, uh, oh God, it's so annoying. I can't believe it. Oh, we got any coffee? Like, we don't have any coffee. Oh, why didn't you get any coffee? I don't be grumpy, for example. Okay, right. That's um, that was the um, word manspreading. Now let me move straight on and let you listen to the uh, conversation around the. I think I'm going to play you. Yeah, I'm going to play you word six and word five now. So here we go. All right. So we had manspreading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now we're moving on to the word ghosting, which is uh, word number ten, nine, eight, seven, six. Mm-hmm. Amber, 
Ghosting, a noun, ending a relationship by ignoring all communication from the other person. Right, ending a relationship by ignoring all contact or all communication from the other person. That's evil, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is, it's surely. Just, it's just the wimp's way out. It's, You're not, it's, you know, manning up or womaning up and um, telling them. It's pathetic if you do that. Mm. Let, let, mixing up. Let's just make sure that everyone understands exactly what ghosting is. Can anyone give an example or an anecdote of, of when this has happened? Uh, it, it could be you, could be just someone you know. Uh, well, I'll, I'll give I, you an example. This happened to me once that I was seeing this girl and I thought it was going all right. You know, we'd, um, we'd been on a few dates and, uh, you know, it, 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 it was good. I mean, we'd had a bit of, uh, we'd got jiggy with it. Okay. <laughs> we'd had a bit of sexy time. We had sexy time. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and it was all right, you know, it was pretty good. For you. For me, and at least, yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe I didn't realise that I was doing something wrong. I don't know. <laughs> you must I don't know been. what happened. <laughs> I don't know what, she, what happened. But um, I think what it was is that uh, one particular date, I... I it was a bit like an episode of Luke's English podcast. I think I talked too much, and I and I didn't and I didn't listen enough, right? Um, and uh, and then I remember, like after that date, that last date, it was like, okay, so you know, we'll be keep in touch. And then uh, I remember writing to her a couple of times that week and getting no response. And I was like, all right, funny. I'll let her. I'll just let her, you know, have a bit of space. And I texted her back, no response. And then, you know, the embarrassing thing was I kept texting her mm. and like as if there was nothing wrong. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, um, uh, you know, I expect you're a bit busy at work or something. Anyway, how about we go out on Saturday? Uh, no response. And then I was like, all right, fine. And, and stupidly, I didn't realize that she was ghosting me. Right. I should have realized sooner. <laughs> you didn't have the word. I didn't know. Yeah, the word didn't exist then. But so I was like, oh, I'm sure everything's okay. I mean, you know, we did have sexy time. I'm sure that it's all right. <laughs> you know, and anyway, I'm Luke from Luke's English Podcast. Why would she not want to go out with me? You know, that's what I was thinking, <laughs> stupidly. Um, and uh, and then after a lot of texts, late, you know, I think I got her really pissed off. I think I must have really annoyed her with all of these texts to the point where she just was really didn't want to ever see me again. And then she'd sent one text. Leave me. And it was just like, just... It's not, it's, I'm never going to see you again or something like that. It's like, oh God, really, uh, really sort of really painful moment of like, oh God. So, oh, I see she doesn't like me. What a stupid <laughs> idiot I was. Oh, well, no, to be fair, I think, I think we're all agreed ghosting someone as a way of finishing a relationship is lame. Yes, it is, isn't it? It's not the way to go. Yeah. Be honest. All it takes is, you know, a little bit of honesty. Yeah. So I'm there being all, oh, I'm an idiot. But actually, she was not very nice. She was a bit mean. Yeah, she could have just said, look, it's not going to work out. Yeah, you know? definitely. Yeah, I don't understand. But, you know, I've decided, uh, I it did do my head in for a while. But, you know, after a, uh, after a couple of years, I got over it. <laughs> <laughs> now, after a little bit of time, you know, I realized, oh, it just it doesn't matter, you know. But um, it's not nice to, to, to ghost someone, is it? No. no. Okay. Okay. Right. On that sad note, look, you're all sad. You're all sort of like, um, uh, I've lowered the, the atmosphere. Let's of the move podcast. on to the next it's word. It's maybe because you had a dad bod. Oh, no. look at me transitioning into different words. Dad bod. Okay. Dad that's bod. the next dad word. Dad bod. Number five, this is. Yeah. Uh, which is a, a noun. Dad bod, one word. It means it's, you've got an untoned and slightly plump male physique, especially one considered attractive. 
Okay. Um, so it's basically a, a thing in the, in the past year where... A dad body. Uh, yeah, it's it's like a body of a dad. Like women have gone, we don't need this six-pack muscly bollocks. We'll just have a, a bit of a belly uh, and that's fine. And there's been pictures like in, in tabloid newspapers of, you know, f- famous people, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, Johnny Depp, these people with dad bods and everyone's going crazy. Dad mm. bod, dad body. So, yeah, the traditional, well, the, the standard sort of attractive male physique is broad shoulders, uh, well-toned muscles, six-pack, and all that sort of thing. But the dad bod is basically like this. What is the attraction of having a bit of a beer belly and being out of shape it's, and having a beard and stuff? What's the, why is not, that attractive? It's not the attraction of having a bit of a belly and all the rest of it. It's just that a six-pack and being really muscly, it does look very nice, but it does imply you spend a lot of time looking in a mirror, you know, picking up weights. That's not very attractive. Having a dad bod sort of th- says, I do other things. Maybe I mm. read or or listen to audio books, books. Or, uh, <laughs> on audible.com on audible.com you know i do other things i've got other interests i'm a bit more laid back i'll enjoy a nice meal i'm not just obsessed with the way i look mm. yeah i have a dad bod a bit i realized yeah. i had one when uh this is a genuinely <laughs> a, true, a true story when i when i bent down one day to do my shoelaces yeah uh, and as I came back up from tying my shoelaces, my belly hair got stuck in my belt buckle. And it, it, it was like a waxing session. Like oh. it pulled out about three of my belly hairs. Ow. I was like, oh, okay, I've got a bit of a belly right now. Oh, dear. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, what, do, what about you, Amber? Do you think a dad bod is, uh, is an attractive thing? I think, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think a dad bod is is attractive. I mean, like, what, exactly what, what I you said. Just said. Yeah, I it's like a, a, yeah. a, a sexy guy with a great body. Fantastic. They do look really nice, and yeah. I will appreciate it. And you know, you go to the Louvre. There's lots of statues. They look very hot, but you're not going to have a good conversation with that person. And yeah. also, comparatively, you'll feel really sort of saggy and right. floppy, and not you know, not in the same league. So women might find a dad bod attractive because it means the guy's got. An interesting character and interesting lifestyle, maybe, yeah. and it's more than just "Hey, what did you do today?" Yeah, I went to the gym. Okay, yeah. uh, what about okay? okay. And, and I looked at myself in the mirror. What about all right? What, what about the day before? What about the day before? Uh, I went to the gym. <laughs> um, and instead, it's like, "Hey, what did you do yesterday?" Oh, you know, I, I well, I didn't go to the gym. <laughs> hey! Okay, and also it makes you feel comparatively more attractive yeah maybe. and the only way that they could be sort of sexy and have like lots of muscles if they you know they do something physical like you know digging player or digging wells uh, or you know firemen. well no yeah. no not really because firemen do essentially just hang out looking at themselves uh, i don't know like lands- a fireman's... landscape gardener yeah something like that <laughs> not that firemen aren't hot they are obviously for several reasons oh yeah one but is that obviously because they work with fire, so that tends to make them hot. That was a joke. <laughs> Shall I continue? <laughs> no, I think we're good. No, okay. So let's move that on. on for tonight. All right. Okay. That was yes. the wor- yeah tonight because we're doing our show. It's <laughs> it's, it's Thursday. Yeah. It's time for sorry we're English. Don't all rush out at once. Yeah. Don't. Well. Well, actually, <laughs> actually, you say that, Paul. But we've had a number of uh, lepsters at our show. We have had a lot. Really? Of, we, yeah. yeah. Every show we've had at least one or yeah. two lepsters. Yeah. It's, yeah. So thank you for coming to the show. You know, it's uh, it's good fun. Yeah. Uh, soon it'll be available on audible.com <laughs> audibletrial.com <laughs> audibletrial.com forward slash once we uh, record it teacher Luke okay so uh, that was word six and word five word six was ghosting 
Um, and just let me give you the definition again. So that is the act um, of or instance of ending a romantic relationship by not responding to attempts to communicate by the other party. Um, like in my rather sad and desperate story of how I got ghosted by a girl who I'd been on a date with. Um, and uh, so some nice language in there, like, for example, uh, I think Amber said, you're not manning up or womaning up if you do that. So uh, to man up, now, this is a, a fairly new expression as well. Come on, man up. If you man up, it means to be strong, to get strong and to act like a real man. Okay, so let's say, for example, you, your friend is kind of going, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm just so upset at the moment because, you know, because she hasn't been responding to my text and uh, I just, I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, come on, man up. Come on, man up. That's not the attitude. Come on, you're better than that. Man up, move on. Um, to man up, it means like to, to, you know, just to get a grip on yourself and to be strong and act like a real man. And similarly, if you want to break up with someone, then you should man up or woman up. Man up is is the more common phrase. Uh, you should man up and just call the person and don't don't sort of um, don't be a wimp. Don't take the cowardly option and just you know and just ignore the person. You should man up and just give them a call and say, "Look, I'm sorry, but I just you know I don't think it's working. I'm really sorry. Um, you know, we've had a good time, but I'm just not ready to get into a relationship yet." So man up and just break up over the phone. Don't do it by ignoring their texts. That's pathetic and 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 wrong. Um, so um, yeah, you're not manning up or womaning up if you do that. There you go, to man up. Um, I was talking about how I got ghosted, and I and I mentioned at one point that we got jiggy with it. Did you hear me say that? We got jiggy with it, which is like that song by Will Smith. You know, the one, getting jiggy with it. Um, now, I think in his song, he's talking about dancing, but, I mean, it's quite suggestive. I think also there's a... Everyone knows that if you say, you know, we got jiggy with it, then that basically means that you had sex or you had sexy time as we said in this conversation um so to get jiggy with it there you go um ghosting someone as a way of finishing a relationship is lame um okay lame so if something's lame it means it's pathetic you know it's pathetic it's not sort of strong and it's it's just pathetic really weak not very good crap it's just lame Ghosting someone as a, as a way of finishing a relationship is lame. You should man up and just do it over the phone. All it takes is a bit of honesty. Yeah. So then I said that, yeah, it did do my head in for a while. Or you could say it did my head in for a while. Okay. A couple of things about this bit. So um, to do your head in is an expression. And that means like if something does your head in, it means it annoys you and causes it like vexes you and causes you sort of problems in your head. Like, you know, it's it, it can make you depressed or annoyed or confused. So it's doing my head in. Normally, normally, if something does your head in, it means that it's annoying. It's like, can you stop? Can you stop making that noise? Can you stop making that noise, please? That's really doing my head in. Now, obviously, you... you if someone is making that noise, it's annoying, isn't it? Now, um, if it's a stranger who's doing that, like in a in a 
in a classroom or something, it's one of your classmates, if they're a stranger, like not your friend, you wouldn't say, excuse me, can you stop doing that? It's just, it's really doing my head in. Because that would be rude. Because if something does your head in, it's quite a strong expression, right? So instead you'd say, sorry, would you mind, would you mind uh, not doing that with your pen? It's just that I'm just trying to, I'm trying to concentrate on the exam. Sorry. That would probably be the way you would do it with a, with a stranger. But um, with a friend, you'd be like, Stop doing that with your pen. It's doing my head in. Okay. Now, in this case, the girl ghosted me and that did my head in for a while. Okay. But I said, it did do my head in. It did do my head in. Now, why did I say did at the front? Well, we we use the, the auxiliary verb do as a way of emphasizing, don't we? We do. Um, so, um, for example, I could say it did my head in for a while, but I wanted to emphasize so I said, it did do my head in for a while. Okay. Um, let's say, for example, someone cooked you dinner. Someone cooked you dinner and you ate it, but you weren't that, you didn't really seem to, it didn't look like you enjoyed it. So you ate the dinner. Mm, yum, yum, fine. Okay. And and your friend said, so what did you think of the dinner? And they go, yeah, it was, it was nice. And they then say, oh, you didn't enjoy it, did you? You didn't enjoy it. And then you would say, no, I did. I did enjoy it, you see. So it's just a way of sort of emphasising something, especially if, um, especially if you're confirming or trying to, trying to confirm something. So I said, yeah, it did do my head in for a while, but I got over it, for example. Okay. Now, word five was dad bod. Dad bod, which is, you know, uh, an untoned and slightly plump male physique, especially one considered attractive. And so here are a few phrases, particularly ones that are relate relate to the body, um, language to describe the body. So um, untoned, if your body is toned, it means the, muttle, the muscles are in good shape. Um, and there's like the, the muscles are, are if you if you go to the gym and you do weights your muscles will be toned uh, and you can see you can see that the, the muscles are, have some definition in them um, and it, so a dad bod is untoned slightly plump plump is like a bit fat basically um, and uh, so you heard phrases like this uh, broad shoulders broad shoulders so you know if, if if a man it's usually a man it's got wide shoulders uh in a good way then we use the expression broad shoulders like you know um uh, a rugby player might have broad shoulders or clint eastwood's got broad shoulders um well-toned muscles i've already mentioned that um a six-pack I expect most of you know what a six pack is now. That's the abdominal muscles or the abs when they've got when they're very well toned and there's lots of definition in the abdominal muscles and you can see the six uh, clearly defined muscles in on the stomach. We call it a six pack. And you know, apparently this is what all men want and a lot of women as well now would try to have a six pack uh, as well. Okay, so you have to do lots of abdominal work, you know, in the gym. Um um, I don't know who it was, but someone said, I'm a bit more laid back. So if you're laid back, it means you're you're relaxed, you're easygoing. Um, yeah, there you go. I'm a bit more laid back. Um, uh, and Amber was saying that if you're with a, if you're with a, uh, a, a man who goes to the gym a lot and's got a very well-toned body, then she said, comparatively, you will feel all saggy and not attractive. 
all saggy. Now, saggy is quite a descriptive word. And if, um, how can I describe the word saggy? If something sags, it means it's sort of like a bit flabby, a bit fat, and it, it hangs over the edge. It's a bit saggy. Now, okay, if your body is well toned, let's say, for example, your arm, if you put your arm out and um, flex your muscles in your arm. Now, if your arm is well toned, all of the skin will be tight and the muscles will be toned, okay? Now, if you're not in good shape, then there may be a bit of fat, particularly under the arm there, and the fat might be a bit loose and it might hang a bit loose. That's to sag, okay? If the mus- if the skin or fat hangs a bit loose, it sags. You might feel saggy. If it feels like you're not fully toned, and in fact the skin or fat is like hanging off a little bit, like hanging over the edge of your belt, sagging over the edge of your belt, or for women also, they might feel like their breasts are a little bit saggy rather than being sort of pert. Um, okay, so uh, Amber says that if, if you're... St- with like this super well-toned superman then you know by comparison you're going to feel a bit saggy and 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 unattractive okay now amber is not uh saggy or unattractive no quite the opposite but um uh by comparison to you know superman then obviously you're gonna you're gonna feel less attractive when you're standing next to you know henry cavill aren't you yeah um okay now um Next, we have uh, a landscape gardener. Now, this is just a, a, a job, um, and it's. I thought that uh, we were talking about um, sort of uh, men who have a well-toned physique because of the the job they do, and I I was trying to find the perfect job that I thought Amber would find attractive, and I said fireman, and she said no, because firemen, um, you know, they do work out in the gym a lot. I mean, I think most women fancy firemen. It seems to be true. So I was trying to find the right job that I thought that she would fancy. And I mentioned landscape gardener. Um, Because, okay, a landscape gardener is not just a gardener, but also the designer of gardens. Uh, So I thought that might be an attractive job because it combines the physical work, the physical capability with a more mental and artistic approach of like designing and and uh, 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 planning the garden and then actually creating it. So anyway, that's a landscape gardener. You know, if you've got if you're very rich and you've got like a big house with a big garden in the front of the house, you might employ a landscape gardener to come and survey the the space and then, you know, come up with various plans on, well, we're going to have like a rockery here and then we'll have like a small water feature there and and then the the the, the lawn is going to sweep down across the front of the house and then we'll have the driveway coming through here um and and that would be a landscape gardener and and he'd also he's willing to get his hands dirty and he might be well built because of you know the physical labor that he's done what a powerful combination he's probably quite rich as well because landscape gardeners get uh, get very well paid so you can imagine ladies some sort of handsome buff well-toned uh and rich and intelligent creative landscape gardener uh, I don't know if that's the kind of. I tell you what, he would be a good. He would be like the good hero in a in a story, don't you think? You know, just he was a simple landscape gardener who got you know involved in some kind of uh, Jason Bourne type adventure. I think that I think it would be good. All right, um, then Paul mentioned our show, our comedy show, uh, every Thursday. 
Uh, it's called Sorry We're English, 7pm every Thursday at the Pan Am Art Cafe in Paris. And he mentioned the show, and then he said, don't all rush out at once. Don't all rush out at once. Now, if you rush out, it means that you um, you quickly or in a hurry leave the house in order to go to something. For example, let's say, um, oh, I don't know. Let's say you've just learnt that um, the, the new Star Wars film is going to be shown free in a public place like a month before the official release and you've just heard about it you might rush out in order to get a seat uh, if you're a Star Wars fan if you're not you'd probably just stay at home and do something else but if you're a Star Wars fan you might rush out okay so um, now don't all rush out at once now this is sarcasm and it's quite a common type of sarcasm um, using a negative like that, a negative imperative. Don't do, do don't blah 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 blah. So when Paul said, "Don't all rush out at once," it's sarcasm. What he's actually saying is that he thinks that nobody's going to come or that people don't want to come, which also is modesty because I, I think people do want to come. Plenty of people out there listening to this podcast want to come and see our show, uh, but I think that in Paris, people don't really know that we exist. We don't have that many Lepsters in Paris, although, you know, we've we've had quite a few coming to our show. We had a lovely couple from Argentina uh, who uh, came to a show recently. Hello to you two. It was very nice to meet you. Anyway, Paul, by saying, well, don't all rush out at once, he's saying we, we don't expect many people to come. Um, and this is a typical way to be sarcastic, and there are some other examples of this. So you could say, like, don't sound too enthusiastic. Don't sound too enthusiastic. So let's see. Imagine you're there with your friends and you say to your friends, hey, guys, um, hey, I've just got I've got a really good idea for what we can do later. Why don't we all go? There's a really nice library in town. Maybe the library's not such a good idea. Uh, I know. OK, you're with your international friends and you say, right, tonight I've booked us a table in a restaurant. Um, it's going to be great. And they're like, oh, great. What kind of restaurant is it? And you say, it's, a, it's, it's an English restaurant, so it's, it's English food. And they're all like, oh, English food. All right, great. And you go, all right, don't sound too enthusiastic, which is um, sarcasm. And what you're saying is, you, you seem really unenthusiastic. Don't sound too enthusiastic. Oh, my God, you're too enthusiastic. So it's, it's sarcasm. Do you get it? You know, oh, yeah, we're going to go to an English restaurant. Come on. And they're like, oh, do we have to? God, don't get overexcited or anything. God, don't get overexcited, which is like saying you're not excited enough. Don't everyone, you know, imagine you come home to your house and you've got lots of big heavy bags. You're carrying loads of heavy bags. and It's difficult to get through the front door and you get into the place and it's you're still struggling with your bags and everyone is sitting there watching TV and they're just, they're looking at you like, and and you say, all right, don't don't everyone rush to my help or anything. Don't everyone rush to my help or anything, which is like a way of saying nobody is coming to help me. Yeah. OK. Right. Sarcasm there. Yeah. OK. So that was words uh, six and word five. Let's move on to uh, word four. And I think I'm going to play you. I think I'll, I'll play you word four, word three and word two now and then I'll, I'll be back in your headphones in a minute to, to do a bit of language analysis. Okay, here we go then. Here comes word number four. 
All right, so that was the word dad bod. We're now down to the last four words here. Um, what is going to be number one? I wonder if anyone knows. Um, if you've probably ch- already if you've read the article, <laughs> if you've read the article, you will know. But anyway, the next word in the list, Paul, is it your turn? Uh, no, I did no, dad bod. Okay, it's I've my turn. One. The next word is Corbinomics. Corbinomics, which is um, you know a political. It's it's relating to politics. My listeners should know about Jeremy Corbyn. I have talked a little bit about him on uh, a recent episode of the podcast, Jeremy Corbyn. So Corbynomics, this is the economic policies advocated by the UK Labour leader, Jeremy Corbyn. And we've had other kinds of economics before. We had Reaganomics, which is uh, Ronald Reagan's economic model. Uh, This is Corbynomics, uh, Jeremy Corbyn's economic model, Mm. uh, which basically is sort of like sort of socialism, essentially, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Mm. It's Mm -hmm. about uh, spending more on public services, um, raising tax for you know the rich, um, expanding the size of the welfare state, expanding the size of the state in general, more um, nationalisation of privatised industries like, for example, the railways and stuff like that. That's Corbynomics. There you go. A little bit of politics. Mm-hmm. I guess uh, this list is obviously UK. Specific because no one in the US is using Corbynomics. No, I, I'd be surprised if anyone in the in the United yeah. States is saying this is British Col- English. Collins is a is a is an English thing, right? Collins do they, is do a, they have American dictionaries? I think they probably they they probably do have American dictionaries, but here we're dealing with the British uh, the British stuff. And so the, the correct stuff. All, yeah, okay, yeah, the correct <laughs> stuff. Um, all right then. So Amber, what's the next word? Next word is contactless. Mm. Contactless adjective. It means when you can pay for things without having to type in a pin or sign. So with your Watch, yeah, an Apple my watch, watch. Paul. <laughs> I can pay yeah. contactless with my Apple Watch, yeah, and I think you can do it with cards as well in countries that support it. And France isn't one of them because <laughs> it's still 20 years behind, but that's okay. It's still the 70s, isn't it? In yeah. France, we can still pay with check yeah. happily in France. <laughs> the check is still an accepted form of payment <laughs> for five euros. So, we're talking about contactless payment. That's that's the collocation, isn't it? Contactless mm. payments. Yep. So it's payments with a card, like when you just touch the card on the on the payment reader. You don't actually type it in, or you don't swipe it, or anything. You just touch the card, or payment with your with your Apple Watch. You just you just touch the watch against. Yeah, something. it's it's connected to your phone. So phones, uh, mobile phones have a, uh, a, a a a technology in them that allows you to you know if they're secure, like iPhones, you use your fingerprint to store your. Uh, card details on your phone mm-hmm. uh, but they like no one sees the card details not even the merchant sees the card details like in, 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 a, in a normal shop where you pay by card like the person can see the card details and if they're quick they can probably get the number you know and, right. and they could use it for online payment this one they don't see anything it's just you just fingerprint bang and put your phone in because your phone is connected to your watch then you can do it with your watch yeah. as well pal pal, pal. Right. Um, it's the future isn't it this is it potentially isn't it, isn't it? it's is part it? of it yeah yeah, I don't know. Getting rid of cards. I, I imagine that in the future, obviously, we'll be floating around on hoverboards and stuff, <laughs> and we'll we'll float into. I mean, okay, unless we're all in virtual reality headsets in the Matrix, mm. we'll be floating around on in pods, and we'll do our shopping, and we'll just float out of the shop, and we won't need to actually talk to someone. Mm. There'll be no. You know, no one will be telling us unexpected item in bagging area. There won't be a bagging area. Your the, the your bags will be carried after you with drones, <laughs> and uh, you won't actually pay for anything because it will automatically be done contactless in a contactless way. Yeah. Uh, when you leave the the shop, Bing, your payment has been registered. Thank you for shopping at Tesco's. Have a nice day. 
you know, that mm. kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, it's all going to become fingerprint, uh, uh, eyeball scanner thing mm. stuff, I reckon. Or it'll be like, unexpected item in bagging area. You have five seconds to, <laughs> to place item in bagging area. You now have four seconds, three seconds. <laughs> Two se- in one second, uh, you will be terminated. Sorry, your Bye. time is up. You will now be terminated. <laughs> Next customer, please. You know, that's probably what's going <laughs> to happen in the future. It's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, it's probably what's going to happen. Okay. Next word. Amber. Me? No, I just did contactless. Oh, you did contactless payments. Paul. It's Paul. Uh, clean eating is a noun, and it means that you're following a diet that contains only natural foods and is low in sugar, salt, and fat. Um, and, uh, Isn't that just healthy eating? Just healthy eating. Yeah, I guess, it just seems like a made-up nonsense. The French call it nonsense. bio, the English call it organic, I guess. It's just eating uh, non-processed foods, essentially. We found out recently, uh, a couple of weeks ago, that processed meats could cause cancer. <laughs> I know. Did I we know. Not, didn't we just know that? We knew that. Maybe. Well, we, we, we all, all suspected that. that but when the WHO comes out, well, World Health Organization comes up with it, then, uh, then everyone's like, oh, great, let's stop doing it's that. It's official. Apparently, bacon... Is unhealthy, but we did know that bacon was unhealthy, didn't we? Yeah, but you we? know what? Beer is unhealthy. Is it but just it another Jewish good. conspiracy? Maybe. <laughs> another Jewish conspiracy. <laughs> We're back to conspiracy theories, are we? <laughs> clean eating. No, that's uh, I, uh, we, Me and Addy have started uh, recently clean eating a little bit because she's reading a book uh, called Salt, Sugar, and Fat, or Sugar, Salt, and Fat. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the, those three words. I don't remember in which order, but it will be available on audio. Uh, uh, Actually, <laughs> I'm going to check. I'm going to check. What's it called? Uh, I think it's called salt sugar fat or salt fat sugar or it's a combination of those three words. It's a book. Salt sugar fat. It's yeah. a book about uh, just how uh, horrific the food. And so you're healthy, is. healthy eating. We're just trying to eat not necessarily crap food now. Uh, oh. We we've got a, like a a thing where you order online uh, like food and they go and get it in the farms. Um, uh, nearby and then you pick it up on a Saturday uh, oh I know like those shop. boxes those yeah, organic boxes called, uh, what's it called the here? beehive one is it that one no. La Ruche qui dit oui uh, no it's called oh, I can't remember what it's called now we, we haven't done it yet we, it was a friend who told, about, okay. told us about it the other day but yeah clean eating is a uh, cool is right. a, a, a thing, but yeah, uh, the book. It, what is it called? Yeah, it's called it's called Salt Sugar Fat: How the Food Giants Hooked Us by Michael Moss, narrated by Scott Brick. It is here on Audible, um, mm. and it's it's narrated by Scott Brick, and it's got four point three rate four point three stars out of five. Mm. That's very good. Yeah. And it's like this: every year, the average American eats thirty three pounds of cheese, which is triple what they ate in nineteen seventy, and seventy pounds of sugar which is about 22 teaspoons a day. Uh, apparently, Americans ingest eight uh, and a half thousand milligrams of salt a day, double the recommended amount, and almost none of that comes from the shakers on the table. It comes from processed food. It's no wonder, then, that one in three adults and one in five kids is clinically obese. So this book is all about the phenomenon of, of uh, you know, unhealthy eating. And mm-hmm. I guess it's, it's suggesting that uh, clean eating is a solution to this. There you go. Salt, sugar, fat, how the food giants hooked us. Audibletrial.com forward slash teacher Luke. You can, you can get that book. That could be another good thing to stick in your headphones. Sounds good. All right, yeah, then. That sounds good. 
Okay, so that was Corbinomics, then we had Contactless, and then Clean Eating. So we didn't really talk that much about Corbinomics, and um, I've already mentioned Jeremy Corbyn on the podcast before. Um, So Corbinomics is just the economic policies advocated by Jeremy Corbyn, leader of the UK Labour Party in 2015. You hear that? You hear that police siren? Anyway just thought that I would uh, bring attention to it. You could probably hear it and you were thinking, what's that noise? It's a police siren in the background. I live in, you know, there it is. I live in the centre of Paris and uh, there's always lots of noise outside. If I open the windows, I'm going to open the windows. Can you hear that? I guess that's a police car or an ambulance or something. I don't know. There's usually some trouble going on downstairs. Uh, what I what I often hear is, um, well, sometimes there's like a, a big traffic jam in the street outside, and all the cars start beeping their horns. Uh, there's there's always traffic jams and things in Paris, and the drivers get all angry, and they start beeping their horns. Anyway, if you ever hear noise on the podcast like that, it's just the the the, the hustle and bustle of the city around me. Um, it's a good atmosphere, to be honest. It's kind of full of life and, and it's invigorating. Anyway, I was talking about Jeremy Corbyn. So you know about Jeremy Corbyn. I've talked to you about him before. He's quite left-wing and so he's got an economic model which, you know, is basically sort of a bit socialist and, and quite left-wing. So Corbynomics. So we're just combining Corbyn and economics to create Corbynomics. And it's been done before. We also have Reaganomics as well, the economic model of Ronald Reagan. Okay, so that's enough of that. Word three was contactless. Um, So um, payment systems which use RFID technology and do not require the customer's signature or PIN number. Do you have contactless payment in your countries? Like uh, I can go to McDonald's with, um, with my credit card. I don't need to actually type my number I just touch the card on the payment reader and that's it and it's the same in Tesco's and other places it's pretty good um, so let's see we we had uh, some phrases like this card details card details this is the standard phrase that means all of your bank account details that are on your credit card so um, you don't need to enter your card details or for example if you swipe your card through the card reader there's a danger that someone might steal your card details so there you go your card details um, and I was I, I was talking about like floating around in pods okay I don't I probably don't need to explain that to be floating around in pods except for the uh, the tents we'll be floating around in pods we will be floating around in pods um, notice that it's future continuous we will be floating around in pods so that's like um, basically a sort of regular imagine a regular action in the past something that will happen every day um, it's regular or repeated thing habitual thing in the future then that's why it's continuous. So we will be doing, you know, we'll be uh, we'll be uh, going around on hoverboards. We'll be um, floating in, around in pods. We'll be eating liquid food and and stuff like that. Okay, uh, it's all going to become fingerprint eyeball scanning. Okay, uh, that's probably what's going to happen. So you heard Amber and me say that that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, that's probably what's going to happen. And that intonation is like um, just like a sort of an, a, an assumption. Okay. Yeah, that's probably what's going to happen. All right, fine. Um, word two was clean eating. Clean eating, just healthy eating. Um, and uh, Paul Taylor said, if the WHO comes up with it, it must be true. 
Um, so if the WHO comes up with it, well, if you come up with something, it's like you 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 um, have an idea or you think of an idea or you mention an idea. In this case, it's the WHO, the World Health Organization. They come up with it. So they did their research and then they uh, released the, the, the information. Uh, they came up with the idea that uh, eating processed meat is, is uh, carcinogenic. Okay. Uh, you can also come up with an idea in a meeting. So, you know, it's for example, we need new ways of uh, marketing our product. Any ideas? Uh, and then you could go, yeah, I, I know we could uh, send out some, you know, we could do some videos, viral videos for it. Okay. So, you know, I came up with a good idea in the meeting today. All right. In, in this case, it's the WHO came up with um, some new uh, findings from research. Okay. Um, okay. Then, And there was another audiobook recommendation in that conversation where you, you heard a recommendation about Salt, Sugar, Fat by Michael Ross. Uh, the name of that book is on the web, uh, the page for this episode on my website. Um, that was it. Not much language to explain there, really. No, so let's move straight on. And you're now going to hear us talk about the final word in this list. This is the, the word of the year, basically, according to Collins' online dictionary. What is it? And uh, do you do this word? Well, let's find out. Here it is, the word of the year, 2015. What's the next item on the list? Is it my the, turn? Your final turn. One. Final, final one. one. This Luke. is it. This is the final one. Okay. Are you, okay. Are you ready, everyone? Okay. So the, um, the the final word in this list, and this is the top word of the year, the number one word of the year, and this is binge watch. And it's a verb to binge watch something. Um, now, we've had binge drink. You know, we know about binge drinking. Well, apparently you can now binge watch as well. And this means to watch a large number of television programs especially all of the episodes from one series in succession, okay? Mm-hmm. So binge-watching. For example, if you're a big fan of, I don't know, Game, of, Game Thrones. of Thrones, you might sit down and you think, I'm going to watch one episode of Game of Thrones. I've got, you know, I've got some time. And you end up binge-watching the entire uh, series, the entire season, and yeah. then you realise it's six o'clock in the morning and you've got to go to work or college or something. Mm. And, oh, mm. God. So that's yeah. binge-watching. I think... Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of that came from Netflix yeah, because yeah. uh, they were the first ones to decide, hey, you know what? We're going to create a TV show, but we're not going to release it one week at a time. We're just mm. going to put the whole season available as it is to watch. So like House of Cards was the first. I, I don't know if it was the first, but House of Cards, uh, Orange is the New Black, those Netflix original ones, they just filmed the whole season and you can watch it all at once. And, and that became uh, a thing instead of having to wait, you know, 12 weeks to get to the end of right. the, the 12 episodes. And, and because they're so captivating and addictive, these shows, it's difficult to just stop watching after one episode because mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. next episode is just there. It's available there. Yeah. And so uh, the natural thing to do is just to watch the next one and then you get pulled, you end up going down a rabbit hole mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, you end up watching the whole season in one go, mm-hmm. binge watching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you binge watched anything lately? <laughs> Loads. Yeah. I, lo- I love, I, I always binge watch. I can't help myself. I think there's like, and there, there should be another phenomenon, which is when you don't, you know, you've binge watched so much that you're no good for the next day. You know, mm. I don't know what right, that would like be, a like binge a hangover. Watch hangover. A binge, ha- yeah, a binge, binge watch, watch hangover. I don't know what that would be called. But I do, it like, I love watching, uh, like, House of Cards, you know, and even before, you know, when you had to sort of watch, wait one week, I just wait till they were all out yeah, and then yeah. watch them all. Yeah. But I think I do it with all things. Like, I do drink 
too much and then I do <laughs> binge watch and then I binge, I binge listen. Like yeah. I get really long books, like audio books. Yeah. Sorry to bring it up. I know, again, but, but you're, <laughs> I, I know I keep, we keep <laughs> going on. It's true. We keep going on about Audible, but um, Amber, but you genuinely are a big fan of, of audio books, really aren't you? I'm a really big fan of audio books and I never get an audio book which is less than 30 hours. Flipping out. Because I can only get, you know, I get one a month because you, you get the, uh, this monthly subscription. Mm. So you sort of pay just like a little abonnement, a little like amount of money each month, mm-hmm. and then you can like get a get a, like a book, like a free book. And so I always choose like a really nice, juicy, long book so I can binge listen. Yeah, and I do, and I just binge listen to um, David Copperfield. Wow, Charles Dickens, read by Martin Jarvis, and it was amazing. Martin Jarvis is a legend. Yeah, in audiobook uh, narration. Yes, he is. He's just got an amazing voice, right? It's, he's got an amazing voice and he does all the voices. Yeah. He's all really good characters. at all the characters' voices. Huh. He's really, really good. Yeah. It's incredible. I this thing. I think I might, I might actually sign up. I'm not joking. <laughs> I've, I, I've, I don't, the only audiobooks, well, podcasts really, but they're not really books. It's different. It is different, Paul, because, you know, podcasts, the thing about podcasts is that it's, you know, they're, they're released every week or whatever mm. and it's like quite informal yeah. and often they're unscripted like yeah. this. You know, it's just people chatting and, and stuff like that. And, you and they've dip got in the, and out. You dip in and out. You can choose which episodes to listen to and stuff like that. And, and you know, they're brilliant. I'm a huge fan of podcasts. Of course I am. Uh, but audiobooks are a different world because, first of all, um, you're listening to a great piece of, of literature. Like, it could be a, a really genuinely, you know, one of the greatest pieces of writing ever, like David Copperfield by Charles Dickens. Or it could be, you know, an award-winning piece of journalism, like, uh, I don't know if... if so the New you... York Times and stuff like that, you can get in Audible. Right. But it, but it could be, you know, like John Ronson's book about mm. public shaming, which yeah. is, uh, really like, you know, he spent like two years researching that book and he slaved away over writing. It took him a long time and he put a lot of time and effort into writing it. And with the, with the audio, audio book, you're getting the results of all of that time and effort. Mm. Uh, and as well as that, they're being read out by professional actors. Yeah. Not always. Sometimes like the author reads them out and they can be very wrong. If right. they've not got a good voice, like yeah. um, I wanted to listen to one book and I listen, you can hear a little sample and I thought, oof. Terrible yeah. voice, and it was really? because the author had chosen to do it, and everyone, all the comments had been like, "Oh no, why did the author write? Why did the author do it?" Yeah. But they're good for so many reasons because, like, sometimes there's a book which you think I wouldn't read it yeah. because it's like I like reading long books, but now I have a baby, I don't have as much time, but I do find myself pushing the pram around, so I, I right. listen to it then. So I listen to like Les Misérables, sixty hours. I don't have that much time to read that book. I listened to The Count of Monte Cristo. It was about the same, nearly sixty hours. Wow! So I could listen to it. But I probably wouldn't have enough time to read it, or I'd, it would take me so long. Yeah. I'd forget the beginning. I, I've, I, I've never really gotten into reading books. Man, you've got, you've got to check out. <laughs> but that's why Audible's good. Not, yeah, I mean, the only books I've ever read uh, have been like autobiographies and biographies. No, yeah. I've not even read Harry <laughs> Potter, uh, even though I look like I have. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I've not. I look like you were in Harry yeah. Potter, a <laughs> main character. Um, but uh, yeah, no. I, so uh, that's because, as, as we've talked about on this podcast before, I haven't got time. I I like things that have a quick beginning, middle and end, you know, an hour and a half film done. I love it to the point. The one thing I did binge watch uh, once was 24, the the season. Oh, yeah. Me too. The first series of 24. I I did it in 24 hours. Like, no, seriously. I started it at midnight on a night. And no. then watched it until midnight. But then they, because the Americans have breaks, I had to, uh, you had to take fifteen minute breaks each times. 
because they're not they're 45 minutes long the episodes okay. but I, I started it at midnight finished it at midnight wow. the first season and wow. then it's then you realise how unrealistic it actually is well yeah because you're yeah. so tired All you, yeah. can, you can barely stay awake to watch it yeah, and, he's, and he's, he's like running around punching people yeah. people are dying he's not had any food doesn't go to the toilet once no <laughs> by the end of that 24 hours he's like wait a minute wait a minute and just spends half an hour in the loo yeah um, <laughs> but that was the original binge watch I think 24 yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, it was the original Jack binge Bauer's watch. Jack Power Hour. But you can binge watch movies as that, well. That's, like. a, that's a really great one to do in an Irish accent. Jack Bars Power <laughs> Jack Bars Power Like in a Northern Irish accent. We need Marcus Keeley on the podcast again <laughs> to do that. Um, okay, you see that book behind you, Paul? Yeah. See that big white book yeah. just on the middle shelf? This one no, here. No, no, the next one down. This it's one? Hor- no, no, the next one up. This oh, yeah. That, one? See that huge book? The Beatles... Yeah, it's called Tune In the Beatles all these years. Don't worry about all yeah. that stuff that fell on the floor. Yeah. Now, um, how would you describe this book, Paul, in terms of its heft, its size? Uh, it's it's massive, girthy. It looks like a dictionary. And open the pages and see how small the print is. Yeah, it's pretty it's small. pretty small print, oh, it's right? Regular size. I mean, all right, okay. but it's a very fat book. It's extremely large tome. I think is the word huge, and, and it's yeah. massive. And, and there's a bookmark in there. How much of it have I actually read? <laughs> You've read uh, about a, a fifth of it. About a fifth of the book, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, it took me about one year <laughs> to, to read a fifth of the book. Yeah? yeah. And at that point, I was like, right, I've had enough of this. I love this book. I'm a huge fan. And it's brilliant. It's it's exhaustive book. It's got all the details. That book covers the first part of the Beatles' career. That's until 1962. Wow. Blimey. That's before they did any of their greatest work. And it's that big. Who's yeah. this? Who's this guy? Mark Lewisham is. Was he the? Was he, he anything to? Do, I he mean, needs an editor. He's he is uh, the expert on the Beatles basically, and he he okay. he's, he's he knows more about uh, the Beatles and their recording sessions than anyone else. Uh, but the point is that I thought, right, I've had enough of this. I can't read this book, and it's too uh, big for me to carry around exactly with me. Exactly, that's the point. It's too big. You're not going to put it in your bag. Yeah, just so, for a quick read. So what I did was. I just got the audio book and it's available on Audible, of course. <laughs> and I did. I got the audio book and I listened to it in my headphones on the way to work and on the way back and stuff like that. You know, I listened to podcasts and stuff too, but I kept, you know, regularly listening. Finished the whole thing in, in no time. Yeah. And it, it, like, it's great. I consumed the entire book. I cheated by using the audio book. Yeah. Is it cheating? Well, I don't know. It's not cheating, but... I, if you say it, like the thing is about things about reading, right? Is that you need to sit there, you need to devote time to only doing that. Yeah. But I can listen to the Beatles audiobook when I'm doing the washing up, when yeah. I'm walking around doing the supermarket shopping, mm-hmm. when I'm doing other things. I can be listening to Mark Lewisham talking about the Beatles. And in fact, the guy who read the 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 book was great. The 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 narrator was brilliant because he did the voices of all the Beatles. No. Wow. He did the voices of every character with their Liverpool accents and everything. So Paul sort of. Speaks like this, you know, and he's, you know, he's all like that. And John's got a kind of this sort of voice. And uh, Ringo, Ringo's kind of speaking like this, you know, in the thing. <laughs> I like the action that you're doing there with your arms. <laughs> I have to do, that, have to do this physical narrator, action. Did the narrator have a liver No, the, the narrator, some of the narration is done by, uh, it's divided between different people. But the okay. main narrator, no, he's got just like a sort of RP accent. Wow. But he would drop into these different voices. And he would also do like the posh voice of George Martin, the Beatles producer. Okay. And and all these different voices. It was really good. And some of it was read out by uh, who's that actor? David Morrissey. Do you mm-hmm. know him? He's in The Walking Dead. 
Uh, oh right, yeah. He's the the governor in The Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a great, I like Brit- him. great British actor, really great actor. And he read some of it as well. Mm. Anyway, that the audibletrial.com forward slash teacher Luke. Yes, that's it. You can get sign up to a thirty day trial. Test out the 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 service. Download an audio book. If you don't like the service, you can cancel your membership. You keep the audio book, or or you can just carry on, just mm. carry on using the service and just get a new book every week. How much because is it a month? I think I pay about nine euros. Okay. And that's good for a book. But like some books, if you bought them just without your credits, you get a credit a month. It might be 20, 30 euros. Oh, okay. But you, and I used to go to the cinema and now I don't really because I have a little baby and my cinema like thing was 20 euros a month and now I spend half of that on books and yeah, I really, yeah. I'm gonna really t- I'm like gonna it. Try it Especially about nine euros a month and that includes yeah, any nine... any book you want every month. Yep. So once a month you can just get a new book and you're just paying nine euros every month. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, even expensive books that you can get for nine euros. Yep. It's amazing, mm. actually. Um, so yeah, I've got like loads of books. The, the, the recent book I just downloaded, was, well, I, first of all, I'm listening to the uh, a, a really great history of, Britain. Mm-hmm. It's called the Dummies Guide to British History. Okay. You know the dum- yeah, the dummies? dummies Guide. No, it's it's for dummies. British History for, for dummies. dummies. Right. Okay. Which is like a really really successful and well known series, and it's brilliant. Really. Yeah, it's really good. Oh, good. The the guy, it's really well written. There's like the right balance of full you know detail in history with humour, mm. little bits of humour and stuff in there too. Mm. Um, it, it's really good and the other one I've got is called uh, You Say Potato which mm-hmm. is uh, written by David Crystal and his son Ben Crystal David Crystal is like the UK's sort of one of the UK's top linguists and You Say Potato is all about the accents of the UK mm. it's an in-depth and very entertaining study of all of the different accents and every every aspect to the whole subject of accents regional accents and dialects it's brilliant I will be doing. I'll be. I'm sure I'll be doing podcasts about accents after I've consumed "You, you Say Potato" by David Crystal and Ben Crystal. Okay, so that was um, the word "binge watch" to watch a large number of television programs, especially all the shows from one series in succession. Okay, so I, I'm sure that uh, many of you out there binge watch um, your TV shows, and some of you might binge listen to Luke's English podcast. In fact, I often get messages from people saying that they've just discovered the podcast and they've kind of given themselves about one month to binge listen to every episode so that they can catch up with me. Um, And uh, I've got so many episodes now that uh, that's quite a lot of binge listening uh, in such a short period of time. Wow, great. That's great. Now, what about sort of negative um, responses to the Collins word of the year? Um, Negative comments. So um, I checked out an article on The Guardian about this story to have a look at some of the comments. And um, here is a comment from a Guardian reader who basically disagrees with the implied suggestion that there is some guilt involved in watching um, many episodes of a TV series back to back. So he doesn't like the, 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 the expression binge watch because he thinks that it involves guilt and he doesn't think it's fair. So this is someone called Ray Mullen pointing out the negative association with the word binge. And he says this, Given that I spend most of my free time... Uh, given that I spent most of my free time last weekend working my way through A Brief History of Seven Killings by Marlon James, was I binge reading? Of course not. That's the only way to enjoy a good book. 
The beauty of bulk access to serialised film and television productions is that we can view an interesting programme in much the same way. The requirement to follow a serial at a fixed point in the day over several weeks or months are long gone. Thankfully, I was barely able to follow the broadcast of the TV programme Wolf Hall last year, missing one and a half episodes quite simply because I had other things to do. In fact, I'm sorry I didn't just wait for the DVD release and enjoy the production in my own good time. No, binging about it... Uh, no binging about it, even if I chose to watch all six parts in a single evening. Collins should really take a leaf from the Le Livre de, de l'Académie Française um, and exploit some discretion when it comes to faddish language patterns of teenagers and inarticulate young adults. Most of these new terms reflect lazy intellects blunted by the networked chatter of buzzfeeds and will amount to little but crude embarrassment a couple of years from now. Nee. Okay, so that is um, Ray Mullen, who, at the end, he, first of all, he thinks that, that uh, binge watch is not really right because there's no, uh, there's no guilt or negative association in watching many episodes of a TV show back-to-back. And he thinks that binge watch contains that sense of guilt like it's a bad thing that you're doing um and then he goes on to say that basically uh collins should be more careful about the words they enter into the dictionary because this one he thinks is is uh trivial and um and is is used by inarticulate young people so i'm sorry ray mullen but you sound like a snob all right you do because whether you like it or not uh, this word has been used a lot recently, and that's that's from, in my opinion, that's reason enough for it to go in to uh, a dictionary, right? Now, learners of English out there, all right, listening to this, what would you what would you rather have? Would you rather have a dictionary that is full of all of the words that people are actually using, or would you rather have a dictionary which is full of uh, which which doesn't include words that you will hear if you're speaking to people, and and you know. Which one? Which one would you rather have? All the words that you're going to hear when you chat to people or uh, only words that a select number of people think deserve to go into that book? Well, of course, it should be the words that people are actually using, shouldn't it? Because if you go to, um, you know, if you're socialising with a bunch of English people in the pub and they're all talking about binge watching their TV shows and you say what's and you think to yourself what's binge watch and you look in a dictionary and it's not in there because the people who make the dictionary have decided no binge watch is it's too crude and uh, only young people use this so it doesn't deserve to go in and then of course what kind of rubbish dictionary would that be because it's not actually going to help you understand and learn the language so sorry ray mullen i don't agree with that um and that's the point anyway isn't it that's the point um uh, Collins are going to observe, continue to observe the words. And if it turns out that uh, the word binge watch is just a fad and it's only something that people will use for, you know, 12 months and after it, it no one's going to use it anymore, then they won't add it to the print dictionary. So it's going into the online dictionary, which obviously is is an unlimited thing. But uh, if if it's not used in a couple of years, then it won't go into the print dictionary. So... Sorry, Ray Mullen, you just sound like a snob, in my opinion. Okay, I'm going to stop explaining now, I promise, and I'll just let you listen to the rest of the conversation. I promise, but I just wanted to say one more thing. Um, so I've done a lot of explaining in this episode, and in fact, in this series of three. I've done loads of explaining, and I just want to know if you like that or not. 
Okay, um, so you know that I think it's useful, but I want to know what you think. So here are a couple of quick questions, and there will be a poll on the page for this uh, episode where you can kind of answer these questions, but you could just leave a comment. So um, here's here are a couple of quick questions. So did you appreciate all of the explaining that I did in this episode, yes or no? Um, how is my speaking speed on the podcast when I'm with guests? Is it? Do you find it a bit fast or is it okay? And how is my speaking speed when I'm alone? Is it too fast? Is it too slow? Or is it okay? All right. Now, there, as I said, there will be a poll for that on the website with just a few options for you to f- select. But also, you can just leave comments with your with your thoughts. I will take your comments into account. But, you know, also, in the end, this is Luke's English podcast. I'm the boss. And I have the final word, so uh, I, I do want to know what you think. But it's, you know, it's just going to go. It's going to be part of my decision-making process. In the end, I will use my personal and professional judgment to decide how I do my episodes. But you know, I'm, I'd like to know what you think as well. It might help me to make my decisions. Okay, so thank you very much for listening this far. Uh, you are a wonderful human being, and the universe is smiling on you right now. And remember, the force will be with you. Always. So there, there we go. That was the Collins Dictionary 10 Words of the Year for 2015. Do you remember what they were? Let me see if I can just test your memories, right. you yeah, guys. All right. Don't, don't look at the list, no, all right? I'm not going to. So the, the first word was. Transgender. Um, well, hold on. Hold on a minute. We've, Sorry. We've play the game. Oh, okay. oh I, what, what, I want my listeners to see if they can remember too. Oh. So I'll define the word. I want I'll just to go to your page and just read the yeah, transcript that you've put. Yeah, they can, yeah. But if <laughs> yeah, they're, like, they're, they're going to play the game. They're not going to treat If they're right, sitting on the toilet, you know, while listening to this, they it's don't true. necessarily have immediate access to the website. <laughs> so oh, anyway, all right, transgender, fine. That was the first one. Next one is when you're on Tinder and you want to, wait a minute, wait a minute, you wanna, you're on Tinder and you want to uh, move the picture to the left or move it to the right. And it's not just on Tinder. It could also be when you're looking through photographs, you do this motion with your hand or slap with your, not slap swipe swipe oh, yeah of well done swipe 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 right or swipe left the other one is when um you you do something uh you do something wrong or something stupid and everyone on the internet abuses shames you shames you yeah shaming shaming okay this is when you're on the bus and the person next to you he's probably a man uh although i don't want to misgender someone uh, anyway, he's probably a man, and he's sitting with his legs apart like that. Oh, I'm going to take up all the room I like because I'm a bloody bloke. What's he doing? He's man spreading. Yeah, uh, this is when this is the the sad situation where someone ends a relationship with you, or when you end the relationship with someone. Ghosting. Ghosting. That's right. When you just you just ignore them, you just become a ghost in their lives, and they start to think, "Did I have sexy time with that person? Or was that just all? A, <laughs> was that just all a dream?" <laughs> Uh, so next one is um, Leonardo DiCaprio was uh, sort of fairly recently uh, photo, photo photographed. That's not how you say that word. Photographed on the beach with a bit of a bit of a pot belly, looking a bit unshaven. Bit of a dad bod. He had a dad bod, didn't he? And women were still uh, aroused. Yes. Um, okay. Next one is uh, politics. This is when uh, this is the economic model uh, proposed by uh, the UK Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn. It's called Corbynomics Cor- by the Corbinator. The Corbinator <laughs> is that a thing? I don't know. I just <laughs> you just created that. Yeah. I quite like that. The Corbinator. <laughs> You've been Corbinated. Thanks. 
because because it would be quite nice to be carbonated, <laughs> I imagine. Um, the heel, that's what he'll say to the national to the rail companies when it becomes nationalised. He'd be like, "Right, you guys, you've been carbonated," and everyone will go, "Yay!" <laughs> or 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 they'll go, "Oh God, we're going to go back to the seventies again. It's going to be a nightmare." Who knows? Um, uh, next one is when you pay for something without actually swiping your card. It's a uh, what? It's being a dick. Uh, no, it's <laughs> you just it's called theft. Yeah. yeah, just theft. Um, no, uh, contactless. Contactless payment. Um, <laughs> this is basically healthy eating, but we're calling it clean uh, eating. Clean, clean, clean eating. Clean eating. Clean eating. And this is when you watch uh, episodes of uh, House of Cards back to back, all uh, in one sitting. Binge watching. Binge watching. Binge watching. Binge drinking. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? A binge watch and a binge drink at the same time. Do you reckon you'd survive the whole thing? I don't know. There would have to be a, a, a drinking game where. Every time um, Frank talks to the camera, yeah, or whatever, whatever TV series it is, you know, if it's like Homeland, uh, whenever Claire Dane starts crying, uh, or <laughs> you just start drinking. Well, that was like the X, uh, the X Files drinking game. What was the X Files drinking game? Oh, it's old now, but like it was, you know, uh, you, you sort of you had to drink every time they got their torches out, Scully and Mully. You know, you, you had to drink right. every time, you know. Every time uh, Scully expressed some sense of skepticism, yeah, exactly. It's like, but but uh, Mulder, I'm sure there is a scientific explanation for this. Yeah, drink, drink, have one. a drink. Or whenever Mulder says, "Well, but." Uh, uh, you know, uh, oh yeah, something, something like that. And I think you got binge you had drink, you could have like watch. sort of three drinks every time Mulder found someone who knew something about his sister but wouldn't tell him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every time that 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 guy in a suit smoked a cigarette, you had to drink. Yeah. Uh, you could do the same thing with The Walking Dead. Anytime anyone kills a zombie, oh you no, but you'd be wasted. You just would in be. moments. You'd be completely destroyed by yeah. by uh, by drink. If you, you could, no, you could you could refine it. You know, every time you know, if you feel that someone's really made an effort, you know, if they're wearing like their funeral outfit zombie, because sometimes you've got really stylish zombies. Yeah. Sometimes they're just sort of like you know mm. hanging off, or if we could do if like they've got like a full face off, or yeah. you know like one eyes. You do get some really interesting zombie uh, makeup in in The Walking Dead. Like yeah. it's you know they after what six seasons now it's, we're into the sixth season, so they have to be quite inventive about the zombies. And yeah. they have I have seen some pretty gruesome zombies in that show. Oh, yeah. Like I, I watched one recently where the guy the zombie had like half of his the the flesh on his jaw was removed, mm. and another one. It's like all the fa- all the flesh on his face was all puffed up for some reason. Mm. It's really disgusting. Yeah. I mean, it is a seriously disgusting show. Mm. Yeah, and I, I watched the first season and then gave up because I wanted an end. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> Paul, short Paul attention does span. I can't commit. deal with it. Basically, Paul with The Walking Dead, the end is the world is 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 screwed. Yeah. Okay, that's the end of the story. Uh, uh, there are no, there's no morality anymore. Okay, uh, everything's really there's no bad. Hope. That seems like yeah. it's the same as as season one. So nothing's yeah. changed. Yeah, exactly. Nothing good. has changed this really. The, no. this, it just gets worse. Thing. Yeah, uh, every TV series that I've attempted to go past series two, nothing's changed. Really. I have to say, The Walking Dead is pretty much making the same point again and again and again, which is don't you know don't have any hope. They made a spin-off oh, of it now as well, didn't they? They made another one called uh, um, it's called something Walking Dead, um, Sitting Dead. The no, no, it's cr- the, the Crawling the t- Dead. The, the title says something, something. The Walking Dead. Yeah, uh, and it's a spin-off. Fear the walk. Fear the Walking that Dead. That might be what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Mm. All right. Well. Good. Thanks a lot, guys, for coming back on uh, the podcast today. Uh, and that's it, was, it. That's this it, the end. And that's it. That's the Good. end of the show. What are you doing? What are you doing later? I, I tell you what we should do. We what? should make it a challenge this evening to insert all of those 10 words into our show tonight. Ooh. Would, and see as many as you can insert. Yeah. See if you can <laughs> Whoever insert inserts the any. Most. Whoever any. inserts the most Whoever inserts the most You're going to do it. Of course you are, because you're always... 
inserting words. He's always inserting things where they shouldn't go. <laughs> hey, there he is. Okay, and on that bombshell, I think it's time to end the episode. Thank you very much, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, I'll speak to you again soon. But for now, it's time to say goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks again for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.